Welcome into uh, episode number 12 of the Dirty Dozen. We're at the Dirty Dozen of the uh, Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Martinez with you. Alongside Joe Torty. Joe, what's going on? This is about 10 more episodes than they said we were going to make it. So <laughs> we defied the odds. We made it this this far, Jay. Yeah, you didn't, I didn't think we were going to make it through one. <laughs> well, we almost didn't, if you remember. Yeah, that you're was right. kind of a train wreck. Well, we're here. We're at the 12 mark, at the dozen. And uh, we're going to have some fun today. We've got some things to get to. By the way, coming up uh, in this podcast, I was able to catch up with uh, former Flyer, former Arizona Coyote, former Buffalo Sabre, former Montreal Canadian, former Colorado Avalanche player. Do you know who it is by now? I think I have it figured out at this point. Who, do, who is it? You were speaking to Danny earlier. Danny Briere, yeah. We're going to yeah. talk. I, I got the chance to meet up with Danny. We're going to talk to Danny, uh, not really about his playing days, but about his post-playing days. He's actually uh, the GM now of the Flyers' newly acquired ECHL team in Portland, Maine. And they're putting this team together, and uh, we're going to talk about all the things he's kind of gone through in his post-playing day career and how he decided to go in that direction. Because he was a guy that was a really good talker. No doubt. You always thought he'd go into the media or something. Like a guy that he's really good friends with, actually. We're going to get him on the podcast, Martin Biron. Uh, former Flyer goaltender and former Sabre goaltender, is, was a great talker as well. Now, he's doing media for TSN and, and up in Buffalo, uh, some hockey-related media, so we're going to get him on. But Danny was a guy that would have been great at that. No doubt about it. So, but, and, and you can know that from just hearing him talk about the game, talk yep. about players. You know that this is a guy who's got stories. I mean, there, there's so much that he could bring. And he still might do that at some point down the line, but right now he's got a cool new adventure that he's focused on. Yeah, so we're going to talk about And he's got young kids that are still playing, obviously, too. So he's a bit of a hockey parent as well, uh, which is cool. But it was, able, it was good to catch up with Danny Briere. So that's coming up a little bit later. But uh, in this episode of the podcast show, um, I've come up with six questions. Based on what we've seen already, basically an eighth of the way through the season. Most teams are around 10 games in. Uh-huh. A few have played 11. Uh, Carolina, I think, has played seven. Uh, but we're gonna, i got a few questions here, and we're going to debate these. So let's get right to the, well, let's get to the, the actual business part first. If you want to advertise on the podcast, um, send us an email to sticktohockeybiz at gmail.com. Stick to, the number two, hockey, B-I-Z, at gmail.com. Uh, to follow us on Twitter is... At Stick to Hockey Pod. Nailed it. Okay. okay. And, you are, and you're on Twitter. Uh, at Joe Torty. And you are? At Jason Mert. J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening. One thing, one other thing real quick that we need people to do. Um, if you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you do, please leave us a rating and a review. Do you know why this is important yet? Well, so... Does it help grow it in some way? Yeah. The, the podcasts that have more interaction with fans and things like that and the listeners, subscribers who uh, interact with it in terms of the ratings, in terms of the reviews, it pushes up us further up the charts in terms of searchability and things like that. So our community grows and then we can bring you more interesting and fun stuff. Yep, And also on the website too at Wildfire Radio. Yes. um, There's also now articles there too. We're going to have some writing contributors uh, to the podcast as well. We'll be talking to those guys on uh, upcoming episodes. So we got a lot a lot going on with the podcast. We're trying to grow this thing and do it in a fashion where we don't grow too fast and we'll kind of lose sight of what we're doing. But that's what's going on right now. Uh, so please give us those ratings and reviews. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate all the people that have been listening to it thus far. So let's get into the business now, the business of hockey, and let's talk about this NHL season now, 10 days old, and we've got some good debatable questions here. Here's question number one, Joe. Which teams between the Devils, the Golden Knights, and the Los Angeles Kings are real? Now, the Devils have gotten off to a great start, even though they have some injuries. 
the Golden Knights for an expansion team, what they're doing is just what a, what a story it's been. I told you, don't sleep on those yeah. Golden Knights. I don't know if they'll be there when the time is at the trade deadline, or they'll be in the mix for a playoff spot or a wild card spot. But right now, they're getting it done, and obviously, they're down two goaltenders now: Flurry on the IR, and also now Malcolm Subban. Right. Yep. So two guys who had save percentages above ninety three for them. Yeah. So they're scrambling at this point. And then the other team I'm talking about is the Kings, because a lot of people you can say, well, the Kings won a couple of cups in the last you know eight years, which they did. But this is a team that fired their coach and their general manager, and Dean Lombardi and uh, Daryl Sutter. The new coach now is uh, John Stevens, former Flyers head coach, who was an associate coach there for many years. But which one of those teams is for real? To me, it feels like Los Angeles is the most real of those teams. And I really want to go with Vegas because I think they're going to get healthy at some point soon. And if you have quality goaltending play, Jay, you know, it it carries you the whole way. But that's actually why I'm picking the Kings. Jonathan Quick has been on top of his game. I don't know how sustainable it's going to be in terms of his health. That's always been the question with Quick. But the Kings look like they have some new jump, even with the Jeff Carter injury. Yeah, and Quick right now, 188 goals against average and a 944 save percentage. Both are tops in the NHL. We're going to have more on that coming up. I agree with you. I think it's the Kings as well. Uh, Dustin Brown looks like a totally different player under John Stevens. You remember he had the the captaincy taken off his uh, sweater. They gave it to Andre Kopitar. Uh, That was not a good fit for him. He perhaps needed that coaching change from Sutter to John Stevens more than anybody on that team. I think he's got like ten or uh, like eleven or twelve points now. And he was laughing. Remember when they were uh, playing against Ottawa and they were asking, "Hey, do you want to cover Carlson?" He's like, "Are you kidding me? No way." Old Dustin Brown would have never showed you that kind of emotion on the ice. So it's good to see that he's really rounded into his uh, comfort level here. Yeah, and the other the other guy on that team that's getting it done is Kopitar too. He's got seven goals and five assists already, twelve points for Kopitar. They're on this uh, road trip now. Um, and they're getting it done, and they just got a shutout, actually, of uh, Montreal. Quick second goose egg of the season, by the way. Two already. He's getting the job done. So that's a good team right there. I don't know if Vegas hangs around for the entire season. I I still have that old-school belief that, you know, expansion team eventually becomes an expansion team. They're running on adrenaline right now. So we'll see. But All the, right. But the, the Devils, I'm not buying either. I'm not buying them. Yeah, we haven't mentioned them because we're just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I'm not buying. Look, they're they're an improved team. They're fun to watch. They've gotten a lot of timely scoring. Corey Schneider hurt. But, you know, I look at the Devils, and I just can't see this, the ability to sustain through a whole season. I just don't see it, I especially don't know where the in the Metro. I come from. You know what I mean? You have yeah. to be in a lot of horse races, like you said, in the Metro. A lot of teams scoring goals. I don't know how well they're going to sustain that. So I, I see them taking a step back. All right, let's go to question number two, the converse question. Of uh, the question number one, out of the Rangers, Oilers, Habs, and Wild, all these teams are either in last place or second to last place in their divisions. I believe actually all of them are in last place, except for maybe the Oilers. What team's going to pull out of this early season swoon? I like the Oil, but then again, three, I've, five, and one. I believe they are. I've seen things this year that I didn't think that I would see in the back end, especially Connor McDavid scores the hat trick to start the season and then didn't score again until this past week. I mean, it's been a weird adventure for Edmonton. So I would think that they have too much talent to stay at the basement there. But I don't know, man. They, they've looked kind of sick to start the year. Yeah, they they look like they got fat. It you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. where they did, they they started reading the press clippings a little bit. They're saying, "Oh, we're a good team." You know, we don't have to worry about, we don't have to work hard. Maybe they didn't come in, you know, with that edge to prove something like they did last year. Right. And now all of a sudden, they don't look like the team they were last year. They'll get it straightened out. They just put Dreisaitl with McDavid, which is interesting. I like Dreisaitl better as the number two center. Me too. So, but they're trying to get it going. We'll see what happens. I think that's a, that's a really talented team. 
But uh, they have not started out well at all. The Rangers, I, I got a feeling that this runs over, th- that they're not going to make the playoffs. A.V., Elaine Vigneault is not going to keep the job all season. He's probably got about 10 games left if they don't start improving. Now, they just beat um, the Arizona team who has to have a win on the season, by the way. Right. Yeah, they're, they're still looking for that one. It was the big Derek Stepan return. Yeah, pan at out. the Garden. Yep. And they gave, they gave him a nice tribute, you know? Yeah, I got the video. He, he was a guy that was criticized there because... He was paid to be like a, the number one center. Jay, I never understood that. What's he going to be like? No, this is too much. Yeah. I cannot accept this. Yeah, like, he, come on. That was hoist upon him, and he just isn't that guy. So, but whatever. And I, he's been I don't good think, in Arizona, by the way. Yeah, and I don't think the Rangers. I don't think they pull out. The defense isn't good enough. The goaltender's old at this point, and, and Henrik Lundqvist. So, I don't think they pull out. Uh, the Habs, by the way, we debated this on the bull prediction shows. Uh, are you ready to come to my side now? It's not looking good. It's really, really not looking it's good. It's a mess. If you is can, what it is. If you can come to my side and say that Vegas is going to finish in the top two thirds, maybe I'll come to your side on this half. Nah, I can't come to your side on All it because right. I think I'm right on both. <laughs> um, I just I can't see the Canadian. They're they're not good enough up the middle. Pacioretty, there's too much responsibility on him. Uh, he doesn't have enough support. Druan's not going to fix everything there. They're not good enough defensively, and now the goaltender's getting mock cheered at home. Um, it's becoming a toxic situation. He blew up a stick the other night after a game. Um, we were all over that, by the way, the yeah. Carey Price thing. We were oh, all yeah. over that. I mean, and look, the Ducks put up 30 shots against them in the second period last week. Yeah, it's getting exce- I mean, it, it that's, looks That's like, insane. It looks like they're on the penalty kill when they have all five guys out there. It's <laughs> right, unbelievable. It yeah. Uh, so I don't see any of those teams point. The Wilder, I think, just off to a little bit of a sluggish start. Last year, they got off to a great start and then faltered at the end. They're going to be a playoff team. But they're not going to be as dominant as they were. Well, that's I, I don't think that Bruce. they're. You said it well. I don't think they're awesome to begin with. So yeah, they've had a little bit of a slow start. But I didn't think they were going to win ten of their first eleven to begin with. Anyway, they'll end up where they're supposed to be by the end of the year. All right. Besides the team number three, question number three. Besides the team that you guess I guess you root for or whatever. What team has been the most fun to watch play so far here in the first 10 games? Well, for me, it's a little bit of a cop-out because it is Vegas and not just because of what they do on the ice. I love the community that they've built in a very short period of time. Like their Twitter game? Oh, my God. The person who runs the Vegas Golden Knights social media needs some kind of award. They're the best I've ever seen. Well, let, let's see how that whoever is running that account does when they start to lose some games. <laughs> well, yeah. Because they're, they're brash right now, and they can be because they're winning. But when they're losing, it's gonna get, they're going to get it back. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I didn't know how well Marc-Andre Fleury was going to be as a franchise centerpiece for the second time in his career for another yeah. franchise, and he's been everything that they hoped that he would be. So I, I've really enjoyed watching that. Thing. So, yeah, they, they're fun to watch. The Gerard Glant system's fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, George McPhee did a great job getting the players there that can play that system. And, you know, we'll see. Are they going to hang on to a guy like James Neal come the trade deadline? Doubtful. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get a first-round pick for him if he's healthy and playing well. So, But if you're in position for a playoff spot, which it's a long way away, but if they're in position at the trade deadline, it's almost malpractice. You, you can't do it with all of the Twitter game that you're talking, it's right? Like, a playoff spot's like crack. And for an expansion team, there's no way you can fight off the addiction. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't because it's such a great story. If you can have a fan base in Vegas, mind you, a complete non-traditional hockey market, to get into a playoff series in their first year, it's going to grow the fan base there exponentially. So you can't say, hey, we're going to trade pieces away and exactly. keep the five-year plan in place. I mean, their plan was within three years make the playoffs, five years win a Stanley Cup. That's everybody's plan. But that being said, they're an expansion team. They're about assets. So we'll see. I don't know, I don't know how it's going to play out. All right, part B of this question, uh, what player so far this season has been the most exciting to watch for you? 
Oh, man, I, I don't want to take yours. So, My, mine's kind of two guys, but well, yeah. So I'll take the other one. Steven Stamkos has yeah. had a total career renaissance. He's got 21 points, by the way. Oh, my God. And, and the other guy on the team that you're going to talk about has been getting a lot of the attention. It's almost like Stamkos is suffering from the Kopitar syndrome, where it's like, oh, by the way, this guy's just doing what he does and lighting it yeah. up. I love to see Stamkos regaining the scoring touch, too. Yeah, I mean, he's got 21 points. He leads the NHL right now in scoring. Stamkos does. Uh, but Nikita Kucherov is a awesome to watch. But since you kind of went there already, the other guy I love watching, and I can't get enough of this guy because I can't imagine what it's like to see this release from a goaltender position, is Vladimir Tarasenko. Oh, my my goodness. The guy can shoot the puck. Um, He is really fun to watch because he's like this, like, fire plug kind of guy, and his release is so quick and so powerful and so precise um, usually you'd think, like, we and I would pick goaltenders, right? We would. But I, the the way this guy shoots the puck is just awesome to watch. Anybody that can, that, that can save him at the top of the slot, at the top of the circles, good on you. It sounds weird. His release is somewhere between, like, Alex Semin and James Neal. Like, yeah. it's a really weird, twisted, hard-to-pick-up thing. Yeah, he contorts his body when he shoots the puck. I can't imagine how you read it no, off the no sticks. And he, and he's a guy with that snapshot, which is lethal. That that the way he snaps it off the toe of the blade, it's got to just be a really difficult shot to read because his body is in weird positions and he can still fire it so hard. I mean, a lot of times, you know, a goalie's reading the shoulders of a guy, sure. how he pulls it back, how open the blade is, where his hands are, how his shoulders are coming through the puck because the goalie's obviously moving before the guy hits the puck, anticipating where it's going. And I just don't know how you can stop this guy. It's, it's just <laughs> He doesn't unreal. have a whole lot of tells. Tarasenko's out of this world. That's a good one for yeah. sure. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going we're gonna to get to the, the final three questions here coming up. But right now we're going to hear from former Flyer and uh, NHL player Danny Briere on the next steps of his career after hockey. It's the Stick to Hockey podcast, and joining us right now, former Flyer and man all about town these days, Danny Briere joins us. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jason. Thank you. Well, I, what I want to talk to you today about is actually not your playing days. You played just under 1,000 games. I think 973 games. Is that the right total? It sounds about right. <laughs> how bad did you want to get to 1,000? It would have been nice. Um, no, obviously, I'd be lying if I uh, never looked at it or thought about it. But, um, you know, in, in the back of my mind, I know I've played a, a lot of uh, playoffs game and uh, certainly gets uh, above the uh, the 1,000 games. So uh, in my mind, I've, I've done it. Um, you know, even 973 um, to me is a lot more than I expected uh, coming into this. So, um, you know, I'm uh, very happy with it. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Well, you're not going to go back out and play anymore. You're just playing the alumni games now, right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to. I'm going to try to ma- catch up with the alumni games. We'll get you one of those like silver sticks when you play. You know, enough <laughs> alumni games to get there. But what we want to talk about today. You know, you're a guy that's transitioned from player, very successful career in this town, and now the hockey afterlife. You're a general manager now of an ECHL team. Tell us, you spent the last couple of years kind of trying to figure out what you wanted to do. What was that process like for you to try and figure out what the next step was from a professional standpoint after hockey? Well, first of all, I was I was very fortunate. Um, you know, when uh, I decided to retire, Paul Holmgren reached out right away um, and invited me to uh, um, kind of follow him around and, and see what he was doing uh, with his job. Um, him and, and Sean Tilger uh, were both great at giving me the chance to see the other side of uh, of a hockey franchise. Um, 
you know were, were used when I played I, I never realized how much work was uh, was behind closed doors and all the, the little things we don't see so it was a it was a great opportunity I did that for a couple of years and then they approached me when uh, the Flyers organization bought an ECHL team um, to be in charge uh, along with with Paul so I'm, I'm still following his lead but um, I get to make uh, a few of my own decisions and um, no it's uh, it's taken me uh, out of my comfort zone which is uh, which is pretty cool I, I enjoy it and I'm every day um, I'm learning more and more uh, about the uh, the business side of uh, of hockey. What drew you to the business side? Because a lot of guys, former players, you know, Chris Terrian and guys that play this game, they end up on the broadcasting side. And you've always had the gift of, of being a really good speaker and being able to articulate this game. What led you more into the business side and maybe not into the broadcast side? Well, I, I think it was the opportunity. Um, you know, obviously hockey is still my love. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to be involved on, on the hockey side eventually. Um, but I feel that I being around um the, the hockey the, the for so many years um i think it's always going to be with me um but the business side was something totally different that i didn't know much about and that's that's what intrigued me um i knew one day if it doesn't work i can probably come back on on the hockey side and in a scouting job or or something like that uh, possibly um you know on a radio uh, or tv um if that's still a possibility but um i didn't know how many chances i would get uh, learning the business side and it's i i just felt it was a, an amazing opportunity and um decided to give it a try does it have its kind of hooks in you already you know you're a passionate guy who was a really successful athlete when you do things, you do them because of the love of either the game or something mm-hmm. like that. Did it get to, did it get the hooks in you pretty quickly and like feel like an adrenaline rush a little bit? It, definitely. And I remember at first it was very scary because uh, you'd sit in, in, in I'd sit in meetings and um, they were you know talking gibberish, uh, the language, language you're not used that to, right? I've never heard before. Yeah. So um, it, it was definitely scary at first. Um, you know, and and the more I was around and asked questions, and um, I was very fortunate in, in the Flyers organization. There's a lot of good people that were uh, helping me along the way. It's a first-class organization. You decided to make this area your home when you retired. Uh, now you're here. And w- what's your end game, if you will? Like, if, if you said, okay, everybody's got like a two-, five-year plan. You want to be a general manager in this league? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm still at the, um, the stage where I'm experimenting. Um, this is really cool what I'm going through, uh, but I, I don't know where exactly where it can take me. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to keep having fun. Um, I, I still feel like I'm I, I'm not really working. It was mm-hmm. like when I was playing uh, the game. Um, it's not really a job. Um, you know, being, being involved around the hockey team again, I, I feel the same way, um, and I hope it, it, it continues to, to last as long as I can. That, that's probably a, a bit of a different feeling for you because as a player, it's, everything's very structured, where you go, how you train, and even in an off-season. To now have this kind of different life, is, is it, it probably provides a little bit of pressure for you, but it's probably a, a kind of a relief in a way as well because it's so different than what yeah. you've been doing your whole life. It, it's definitely not as demanding physically. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, definitely uh, you know a big change in in that regard. Um, but mentally, um, you know, you, you got to think a lot yeah. more. Um, you know, everything is a little bit more structured than, than playing the game. Um, but I I don't have to get beat up as much. And and obviously, getting older. Um, I remember my last. Uh, 
you know, two or three years playing. Um, the day after a game, it was really tough to get going again, especially if we had practice the next morning. So um, that's uh, that's probably the biggest change. Uh, let's talk about the game right now. Flyers off to a pretty solid start. Mm -hmm. You're around this organization. Um, how important is it for a team to get out of the gate well instead of chasing the standings. That's one of those things that's happened the past couple of years here. Well, it's a lot more fun now because no matter if you have a little dip, as the season goes along, you're going to be involved. You're still going to be in the mix. Um, you know, I look at some of the teams that that are struggling early on. Now they're, they're you know, panic, panic is starting to set in because um, if you have another little dip, you're you're on the outside looking in, and it's almost impossible to make the playoff. There's so much parity in today's game that you fall behind uh, early on. It's tough to catch up. And um, I like, really liked what I've seen so far from the Flyers. They're uh, they're a very very uh, energetic team. Team, uh, a lot faster, right? A lot faster and fun to watch. And I think for the fans um, coming into the building, they're they're getting a much better show now. Um, now I I really like what I'm seeing from from the team. What's going on in uh, kind of in Montreal right now? As they sit, they're off to a horrid start. Have they called you asking you for a PTO? And uh, what are the fans up there? How do they react to something like that that's going on there? I certainly wouldn't have any interest in, in coming <laughs> back, but. Um, it's, you know, we talked about one of the teams that, that's struggling early on. I, I was thinking about them. Um, it's the Rangers uh, as well, yeah. The Rangers as well, Arizona. Um, and, and it's tough to catch up from them. But in Montreal, especially the pressure um, that's building on these guys, it's getting tougher and tougher. Um, you know, it's going to be tough to, to get out of it. And, and the fans are getting on them. That's all that people are talking about. So um, I, I'm glad I, I'm not on, on that team uh, these days. Well, the league right now, let me just say last question for you. Uh, the league is, you got a lot of stars in this league. you got guys like Crosby still getting done Connor McDavid Austin Matthews you see these guys the, the league is becoming very young and very fast and very skilled uh, the future of the league look good to you definitely um, you mentioned the two names I think that are going to carry on for uh, for the next uh, few years and in, in, uh, in my mind McDavid and, and Austin Matthews I, I think it's exciting we saw last year um, you know Toronto kind of surprisingly make the playoffs um, and in Edmonton went on a little run. I think we're, we're going to keep seeing those two teams especially. Um, we, I know Edmonton had a, a slow start to their season but um, you know when you have guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl leading the way I think they'll be fine and they'll, they'll be back but um, hockey's in good hands I believe. Well Danny we appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck with uh, the next steps as you continue to get into this business operations. We always appreciate the time. We'll talk to you up the road. Awesome. Thanks Jason. Danny Briere right there. Uh, very interesting stuff. You know, the, what players do after they're done their career to stay in the game is always an interesting kind of listen for me. And he's such a smart guy and he kind of hung around people to sponge everything up before figuring out what he's going to He's going to be an NHL GM someday. Well, it's a shame that he's out there now because we can't recruit him for our beer league team. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> and we were hoping he'd stick around that way. But, yeah, it's great to see that he's uh, succeeding, and we'll talk to him again soon. Absolutely. Question number four. Let's get back to the top six questions this week. Um, what penalty or call by referees in hockey is the hardest to understand? I've always felt this way. Charging? I've always, oh, that's a good one. I've always felt that it's a difficult one because, <clears throat> you know, what— constitutes a charge versus gathering steam and you know i don't know how yeah what's just a good strong heavy hit you know what i mean and it seems like it's enforced differently with defenders versus forwards if a forward's doing it you're way more likely to get charging i don't i've never gotten that one yeah how far you traveled to make the hit even right. though the guy just got rid of the puck yeah there's a lot of those i don't understand i mean obviously the offside thing is 
you know, I, I, I still don't get it completely. But th- that being <laughs> said, um, the one for me is goalie interference. And I just, I don't know what's goalie interference and what is not. And there's, it's a discretion call. And the one in the Flyers game uh, the other night when they played against, um, who were they playing this? Why can't I think of it? Was oh. it Florida, that game? No, no, no. Last night. Why, why am I blanking on who they beat last, or they lost to last night? I don't know. Uh, they ended up losing last night. Um, five, it was, the, the score of the game was 5-3 to three at the time. Oh, my God. Or 4-2, four to, four to two, rather. And the Flyers scored a goal. Jordan Wheel was on the crease in front of uh, Craig Anderson of the Ottawa Oh, Sanders. it was Ottawa, yeah. yeah. So Craig Anderson kind of moves up and, and, and initiates contact with Wheel. He's trying to own his whole crease, the whole all the blue paint, as is his right. And the shot comes from the point from uh, Brandon Manning, and Wheel gets out of the crease before the puck crosses the line. But clearly, the shot was taken. He was still right there. It was called goaltender interference. Now, a lot of people had a problem with the call. I did not. You did because it did impede the goalie's ability to make the save. Because you can't look at the moment the puck went by the goalie as the only part. There's the setup for the goalie to get to the spot sure. to read the play. Now, taking his eyes away is one thing. And look, Jordan Wheel doesn't take a lot of goalie's eyes away. No. He's not a big guy. But that being said, he did disrupt his ability to get to the spot to line up for the shot. Therefore, disrupt his ability to make the save. That was goaltender interference for me. That's me. So so what's the, the problem then that you have with it? Well, there's so many times where you don't know if it's goaltender interference or, you know, it, it, if the guy bumps the goalie and then the play happens a couple seconds later. You know, there's, there's so much discretion here as to what it is and what it isn't. Well, the, the, you hear the announcers constantly guessing, like, what is goalie interference? Right. Well, the problem is, too, Jay, if you're a battler, you don't get the calls. And if you're a yep. flopper, you will get the call. If yep. you're fighting through a screen, you're never going to get a goaltender interference Yeah, call. like Tim Thomas would never get a goalie interference No call. chance. Because he'd be out, like, by the bottom of the circle attacking the puck to get it. Braden Holtby will get every interference Exactly, because he sits back, and a guy like Henrik Lundqvist would as well. Yeah, sure, exactly. And, but if you're disrupting Henrik Lundqvist, I mean, you're practically in the net, because that's <laughs> exactly. where he's standing. On the line, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, number five, uh, the intent to blow the whistle. Now, this is the, the Flyers <laughs> portion of the program. Uh, this happened uh, also in that same game against the Ottawa Senators, and the Flyers were flat-out robbed of a goal. Now, this play... The ref said he intended to blow the play dead because I guess he lost sight of it. Now, they changed this rule so that it's a continuation of a play. First of all, the puck never went into an area where he should have lost sight of it. The puck went behind the net, and it was centered in front to Sean Couturier, who knocked it into the glove of Craig Anderson, which, by the way, the glove was inside the net. It was in the net. Yeah, exactly. And it was no debate whether it was fully over the line or anything. They said that... Those plays can't be reviewed with the intent to blow the whistle. That's been changed. This was a complete blown call on the ice. And I think it happened for one reason. Because, and here's why. Because they, they had to overturn a call earlier in the game. Because of the goaltender interference. The referee called it a goal on the ice. And then he changed it after Guy Boucher challenged it. Right. So just in the interest of evening everything out and making sure everything was neat and tidy, moving the game along... Yeah, they end up they end up saying it's 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 no goal and it it's just, it's unfathomable. It's the dumbest rule in the freaking sport. Yeah, they messed that one up badly. They, they screwed sure. it up. Yep, no doubt and about look, it. The Flyers are at fault because they should never have been in that position in the game to begin with. They can't give up three first period goals. The goaltending wasn't good enough out of Michael Neuvert last night in that Ottawa game. So look, you, that the NHL needs to do something about that. Now you can protest it all you want. It's not going to change the result. They even admitted last week they screwed up an offside call. That shouldn't have been challenged. Right, yep. They admitted it was wrong. They didn't admit this was wrong. Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, even stood by this call, and he is flat out wrong. That was a 
terrible call in a hockey game, and it could cost the Flyers. It cost them at least a point. Well, and that's the frustrating part is that in the Metropolitan Division, you're looking for every single point that you can get, and that would have been a big spot for that call to come through on the Flyers' way, especially considering the goal that was already wiped off the board. Right or wrong, it had the fans a little bit ornery. So that that was a frustrating moment in the game for sure last yeah, night. It was, it was to happen with 56.2 seconds left. And by the way, can we just talk real quick about Sean Couturier? <laughs> I think we all knew that he's not a second-line center. What we didn't know is that he's a first-line right. center. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we were wrong just the wrong way. Yeah. I, I heard. Who was it? Was it uh, Keith Jones, a friend of the podcast, saying that he could be a 20 to 25 goal scorer this year at some point? He, he, I think he will be. He's got seven goals and five assists right now in 10 games. He, he's like a plus 10 on the season. He's having a great year. And playing with Giroux, moving Giroux to the wing was totally the right move. By the way, he looks like a massively different player this year than he did last year, and so does Shane Gossespierre. Responsibilities completely change the way that you have to think the game completely change. It's a good move for everybody. Splitting up the rookies on D was a good move as well. Yeah. Looks like everything's coming up flyers for the the present time. Now, of course, who knows what happens down the road here, but they look like they're as good as they've been at any point in the last three years. Yeah, well, they're sitting at 500 now. Um, the loss of Andrew McDonald, I know he's the whipping boy. But it hurts. But it does hurt because it puts all those guys in a different position and people are clamoring for uh, big Sam Moran to get in there. But look, I mean, you saw in the Ottawa game again, uh, Sanheim out on the ice, just, he gets himself into turnover problems in his own zone. He does a great job in the offensive zone, but he still needs to pick up his game in the D zone. It's way harder to play rookie hockey at the NHL level as a D-man as opposed to a forward. You have yeah. way more responsibility, way more minutes. It's just tougher for the Flyers. I know that everybody wants to see three of them in the lineup all the time. Yeah, good luck. Not it's if you want to win hard. games. Yeah, not yeah. if you want to win. That's exactly right. Yeah, I know what you know, say, well, he's got to be better out there than Gudis, or he's got to be better than this guy or that no, guy. No, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, look, the one thing that you don't realize when you come into that league is that you don't have any time. The time goes away like that. Those guys are on top of you in a second, and that's what the, the big adjustment is. All right, last question, Joe. Um, who's the best goaltender in the National Hockey League right now? Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick has Gotta been be, right? outstanding. I yeah. mean, his save percentage, by the time this goes up, his save percentage might be at 950. Yeah, for 944 we as we tape. Um, two shutouts already on the season. He's been awesome. But, I mean, you, so the likely contenders, you would say Price all the time, but he hasn't been great so far. His team has not helped him at all. Um, you look at a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky who won the Vesna last year, right? Yep. He's been good. Has he been great? I don't know. I'm not going to go say he's been terrible. He's got a 934 save percentage. But if I'm looking at these guys right now, and Bob's got five wins, by the way, on a good team. But Jonathan Quick has gone to, back to that elite cup winning, Con Smythe winning level again. No doubt. That I didn't think he could get back to. Uh, the other one who is. Definitely played above his head as far as I saw, at least this early. Vasilevsky's been nuts. This he's year. got nine wins on a good team that scores a lot. Uh, but you're right. He's got a 2-2-0 goes against average and a 9.36 save percentage. He's got the crease there now in uh, Tampa uh, with Ben Bishop gone, who struggled a little bit at times here uh, for Dallas early. But uh, yeah, he, he's a guy that's in there as well. Um, Tuka Rask is hurt. Uh, Pekka Rene is having a decent year, statistically speaking, 9.33 save percentage. Uh, Corey Crawford's got a high save percentage. Yeah, but he said that it doesn't matter. I, I almost went through the roof when I read that about Corey Crawford saying the save percentage doesn't matter. Yeah, it me, matters. It's the only thing that matters. Yeah. What are you talking Expected save percentage and shots through. Tra- Did the puck go over the line or not? Yeah. Well, there's a scoreboard, right? <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> uh, how about this guy? Because we talked about him on the uh, podcast uh, in the summer, and I've been all over this guy all for over a year now. And a lot of people laughed at me and, and, and said I'm an idiot on Twitter or message boards or whatever. 
for Trump in this guy that I was interested in. How about Anders Nilsson? Out of control this year. Yeah. I mean, have I been on this guy since day one or what? You said he should have been a flyer. Yeah. <laughs> I, he, was, he was a guy I was sitting I was I was telling anybody that would listen to grab this guy on a $1 million contract, see what he can do. Make him a bridge to the kids or he's your guy. This guy's come in. He plays for the Canucks who suck. The Canucks, they got a 6-3-1 record right now, which is good. But the reason they do is because they've gotten good goaltending. Stealing games. Yeah. Man, they really are. He, how many shots does he have? Oh, two. I, I, he's played in four games. He's 3-1. and one. Thomas Vanek scored for the Canucks the other day. I said, oh. Thomas Vanek? He's really? still in this league? <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> um, but no, Nilsson right now, number two in the NHL in uh, goals against average at one eight nine, A tick behind uh, Jonathan Quick. He's got two shutouts and a nine forty three save percentage. So you're telling me that guy wasn't worth taking a flyer on? I mean, I took a, I, I was taking out freaking billboards about this guy. He's a monster. He's six foot seven. He can move. He competes. If you looked at his game, you looked at his save percentage when he was in Buffalo, who also sucked and still does. I don't see why you didn't take a flyer on that guy. You would think that if anybody who had any hockey sense would just listen to you and listen to the Stick to Hockey podcast, we could have avoided a lot of these problems. I'm telling you, he's got to look like an albatross in there to try and score on <laughs> Big dude. So, uh, so, yeah, I would have taken Anders Nilsson, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, by the way, we just had a call before the uh, the taping here today. we got some exciting things coming up that we're going to do. Oh, yeah, we with do. With fantasy, and we got to get Pete Jensen back on to talk some fantasy, some sleepers, and find out now that we're into the season, we're going to get him on coming up, and we got a lot of great guests lined up as well over the next couple of weeks. So um, that's going to do it for this episode. Hope everybody enjoyed it again. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast. Hit up the message board there as well. We're going to start taking questions from there from the people as well, and uh, we'll keep at it here at the Stick to Hockey Podcast. Joe, great job today. Well, thank you, Jay. And uh, we'll be back at it, I guess, what, next week? Yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, make sure that you interact with us on Twitter, and of course, email at sticktohockeybiz at gmail.com. Until next time, Jason, stick to hockey. Sounds good. See you, everybody. Have a great week of hockey. Why don't you get alive and go on? Why don't you realize that you fucked up? Why put it back what you don't understand? Why take my word? You're so a